How to be blessed by the Bible. Now, we are a nation that is blessed with these. We are blessed with Bibles, yet many are still missing the blessing because there is a major disconnect in what they read and what they do when they head out the doors. Major disconnect. And so what James is going to do today in these verses we're going to look at, and he's going to, his major theme today is basically this, behaving like we believe. Does that make sense? I mean, it's like we read it, we close it, and forget what we read in practice. It's like when the message from the Word is over and we go out the doors here, the exits, there's like these magical erasers that just wipe the slate clean. A.W. Tozer put it like this. There is a glaring disparity between theology, that's the word, the study of God, that's what we learn about God, and practice, that's what we do. There is a major disconnect, glaring disparity between theology and practice among professing Christians. We, we say we believe it, but do we do it? See, those two things have got to line up. You know, we say, hey, I, I believe every one of the Ten Commandments, and yet we'll lie. <laughs> well, it's, 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 it's only number nine on the ten list, right? It's way down there. Lines up to everybody. What do you call people that lie? You know, you know I hear Christians say, Human. No! It says you're a liar! We call you liars! I, I usually try to turn it around on my sit down. Well, what if I lied to you? What would you call me? Oh, I'd call you a liar. But me, I'm just human. And, you know, you want to go up to the top of the list? Let's go to number three. Don't use the Lord's name in vain. It's a very sacred, holy name. And we reduce it many times as Christians and say, OMG, we reduce the name of a holy God to an oh wow. Or, if you give me $100 today, I promise I will pay you back on Thursday. So help me, I swear to, and we take the name of a holy God to convince you to give me $100, and we have no intention of paying that back. You know what you've just done? You've broken the third commandment. You've taken the Lord's name in vain. And you can go on and on. We claim to believe in these things, and yet there's this glaring disparity. Now, the Bible says we're to be mature, having the mind of Christ. 
And then last week we looked at the mind of Christ. As James told us, we need these things in our life. We need to be positive under pressure. Jesus was under tremendous pressure in the garden of Gethsemane. And yet he pours it all out to the Father. If there's no other way, let this cup pass from me, pass from me, I pray. But if there's no other way, Father, I accept the cup. And on the cross, as he's dying a horrible death, he says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. How do we handle pressure? Do we fall apart with the slightest little thing? And then James last week said we're to be sensitive to people. Christ was very sensitive. Jesus mastered his mouth. How well job are we doing? He was a peacemaker, not a troublemaker. What about us? Uh, He was patient and prayerful. You know, I talk to Christians. They got huge problems in their lives. And they'll come to me and say, bros, I don't know what to do. Well, how's your prayer life? Oh, I haven't been praying at all lately. Well, wait a second. That's the time to double up on prayer, right? When you're in a bad situation. So there's this disconnect that James wants us to get a hold of. And so if you open your Bibles with me, we'll look at today's text. It's in James chapter 1. We actually finished this chapter today. And uh, my Bible says this topic is talking about listening and doing. Verse 19, James 1. My dear brothers, take note of this. In other words, this is important. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God's desire. Therefore, now he's going to tell us to get rid of something, but then to accept something. We'll talk about that in a moment. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly now accept. It's not enough to get rid of something. You've got to accept something, replace that thing that you got rid of with the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Verse 23, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror, and then, and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Can you imagine such a man? But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom, that's this book, it's like a mirror, he's going to illustrate this, looking right at it, and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. Verse 26, If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Religion, here's the good stuff. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. Are you ready for it? Here it comes. Look after orphans and widows in their distress and keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Tough stuff, huh? Good stuff, but tough stuff. Let's talk about it. Let's start with verse 19. Let's break down these verses in order. James is kind of given a general observation of God's Word. If you want to be blessed by the Bible, that's our theme today, then you're going to have to do certain things. He starts off in 19 
A by saying God's word is three things. Number one, God's word is impar- or family truth. In other words, my dear brothers. You know, he doesn't go to the halls of Congress. You know, he didn't go to the public schools and teach this. Who is this for? This is for the church. You've you got to be in Christ to be a brother or a sister, right? This is family truth. The second thing he says is it's imperative truth. Take note of this. Okay, some of you were up too late last night. James said, wake up, take note of this. This is important. So if you want to listen, today's the day to listen. And then he says, it's personal truth. It's for everyone, but focus on the O-N-E. One. Before I share this truth with another, I better make sure this one gets it. Get it? Good. That's what James is saying. It's tough stuff. Here we go. How do I get blessed for the Bible? Number one, I must prepare for the truth. Anyone who's ever painted a house knows that the hardest part is preparation, right? You gotta you gotta get out the masking tape, you gotta sand, you've gotta lay down the you know the, the mats, you gotta you gotta get the ladders out. And once the woodwork and the walls are patched, sanded, windows taped off, then you get the paint out. Then you stir the paint, shake the paint, get it all ready. And now really the easy part is just the, ooh, that's the fun part. You're rolling that stuff on. Ooh, look at the transformation. Because all the prep work has been done first. Nobody likes to do the prep work. Yeah, call me when it's time to paint. Man, I'm there. But you know what? Before you came in here this morning, did you do any prep work to prepare to listen to the Word? That's what James is talking about. This is heavy. How do I prepare? Number one, I have to have an open ear. Everyone should be quick to, what's the next word? Listen. We sometimes hear the message but we don't listen to what God says. There's a difference between hearing and listening. And James makes a distinction. Our problem is we're not hard of hearing. We are hard of listening. How do I know that? Because how many times have you said, oh, I knew better than to do that. I heard, I just didn't listen. And Jesus rebuked the Pharisees. For the same things. He said, having ears to hear, you do not hear. You do not listen to the word. Why? They just didn't listen. They didn't want to listen. Now let me tell you something about Satan. He doesn't mind you hearing the word as long as you just don't do anything about it. He knows that if you got saved by grace through faith, that you're in the family of God and God's not going to kick you out of his family. All right? He knows that already. So he knows, I've lost you, this audience, this crowd. So his next job is to make your Christian life ineffective, boring. And so he doesn't mind you coming to church today, listening to this message, taking it all in, maybe even an amen or two, just as long as you don't do anything about it. Right? Just as long as you don't do anything about it, fine, go ahead. Christians, go to church, man. And then, as the preacher preaches, the word just lullaby. 
and good night. Well, the Christians are asleep. Just sleep it off, man. Don't take it seriously. You can hear, just don't listen. You can hear, just don't do anything about it. So, number one, you've got to have an open ear if you're going to be prepared to receive a blessing from the Bible. But number two, you're going to have to have a controlled mouth. Be slow to speak. Got to control this little thing called the tongue. And we'll talk more about that as we get into the book of James. Very dangerous thing, this thing called the tongue. It can bring blessing. It can bring cursing. And you've got to watch it. Be careful how you use it. God has given you two ears and one mouth. What do you think he was trying to say? Anybody that's not doing twice as much listening as they are speaking is not getting what the Bible has to say. See, you've never learned anything while you were talking, right? No, it didn't work that way. You must listen. In other words, there needs to be some silence in your life. Even when you're praying, I don't just pray all the time. When I pray, I'll sometimes just stop and think about what I prayed about and listen. If all you're doing is talking during your prayer life, and you're not just pausing and listening, you're not going to hear a word from God. You know? I remember as a little kid, I would try to get through my prayers as quickly as I could. The only prayer I knew as a little kid was, now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul, I should die before I wake up. I could do it really fast. I pray the Lord my soul would take. God was, Mom, Dad, don't change your drive, drive, drive. Get through the whole family. Night. John Boy. <laughs> Out, man, like a light. No, prayer is talking to God. It's not a rote, memorized thing. It's talking to God, telling Him how you feel, sharing your needs, sharing your love, asking for wisdom, and then listening. I like to pray the Scriptures, open the Bible up, read a verse, and then pray that verse. And then listen. It's amazing what God will do if you just take the time to listen. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and then thirdly, i got to have a calm spirit and slow to become angry. Everybody knows that in order for an argument to take place, you need two elements. You need speed. Notice he says slow down. And you need heat, anger, or angry. And try this the next time you and your spouse or arguing when one speeds it up you slow it down when the other one takes the heat up and gets louder you get quieter and you that thing will never get out of hand if you do that see you don't win by going faster as a matter of fact when you're talking fast you're not listening that's why arguments really don't settle much nobody's listening everyone's just laying it out there Speed and heat. Slow it down. Take it back a notch. Lower it. A soft answer turns away wrath. It's amazing. The Bible's full of good stuff like this. And slow to become angry, for a man's anger does not bring about the religious life that God desires. I've already told you, I won't repeat it again, but the Rokas family, when I was growing up, once we started going to church, I was probably eight, nine years old. I was just a little guy. Our family didn't go to church for years except Christmas and Easter, and that's because we went to Aunt Mary's house in San Diego, and you had to go to Mass. I mean, on Christmas and Easter, you just got to go. 
And that's the only time we went. But then once my parents got saved and they got serious and we started going, I tell you what, the devil kept our house chaotic. Sunday mornings at our house with five kids, two adults, and one bathroom just made a mess of things, right? And the anger, the speed, the heat. And you think it shut off then? No. Once we got in the car, it was even worse, man. I mean, it's just... Do you think we were prepared to worship and hear the truth? No. Does our family sound like your family? You've got to prepare for the truth. If you want blessing, you've got to prepare. And you've got to have a, a controlled tongue, and you've got to have a calm spirit, but you need one more thing. You need a clean heart. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth. You can't fill your mind with garbage all week. Uh, pornography, or the romance books, or whatever else you want to fill your mind with, mindless junk, and then come here and expect that you're ready for God's Word. doesn't work that way. The word in Greek for moral filth is R-U-P-O-S, rupos. You know what it means? That word means wax in the ear. Did you know that? And so when you fill yourself with unspiritual wax, it makes it really, really hard to hear from God, doesn't it? If your ears are full of wax, you can't hear one another, but if they're filled with rupas, moral filth, you're not ready to hear from God. And James is making that point loud and clear this morning. You don't enter into God's Word with a dirty heart. If you were having heart surgery, wouldn't you want the doctor to wash his hands first before operating on you? And yet we come week after week after week before God with a dirty, filthy heart and say, all right, here I am, God. Do something. Show up. No. No, James says, you know, if you want to be blessed by the Bible, you've got to be prepared, prepared for God's Word. If you were going to be taking a flight somewhere, and you read in the newspaper, new airline was opening up, old, old world airlines, and the, and the only thing that's really caught your eye is it's half off anybody else that flies. Take your cheapest flight, and it's half off of that. And so you call up and say, hey, I want to know more about your airlines. And you hear that the receptionist is sort of, you know, in a, in a hurry. And the reason she's in a hurry is the receptionist is also the stewardess that has to catch the next flight, right? Hey, you know what? All you really need to know about us is we're half price. Come on down and check us out. And so you decide to do so. And you go down and, and, and here's where Old World Airlines, and you see a 1944 B-17 bomber from World War II days that's been converted into a passenger airlines. You go, ah, that doesn't look so good, but, you know, let's check it out, you know. And so you start asking, inquiring, what makes your airline so inexpensive? And they say, oh, you know, we don't spend our money on, you know, useless things like maintenance, and we hadn't changed the oil in that whole thing since 1944, you know. And, and, you know, the meals that we serve, we take the leftovers from the other airlines and we just reheat them. And 
come on aboard. And you notice that the pilot is wearing a parachute. (laughs) Nobody in his right mind would get on that airplane, right? Nobody. Why? You can tell there's no preparation. No preparation. And yet, how many of us come week after week after week and we plunge into the service and we say, okay, speak now, God. This is your opportunity because you're not going to hear from me in another, for another week. Are you prepared for God's Word? God says, you do it my way or you will not be blessed by the Word. Prepare for it. Number two, I must be receptive to the truth. I must be receptive to the truth. Now notice up here. It says, humbly accept. Not just accept. I want you to humbly accept the Word of God when it comes your way. Now, he just got through saying get rid of something. Get rid of the you know, moral filth. But then humbly accept. The word humbly means with openness. The word humbly means, the, well, it's the idea really of um, welcoming somebody. A teachable spirit. Humbly accept. Welcome is the word for accept. Humbly welcome the truth whenever it knocks on your door. Anybody remember the Hartnett family? George and Pam, we got some hands here, okay. We got a call from them, I don't know, a few days before the 4th of July weekend. And they said, we're going to be in town. Uh, we've only got a day. We're on our way up to Yosemite. But we'd sure like to see you guys. And I said, well, what are your 4th of July plans? And they said, well, we don't have any. I said, come on over. We'll barbecue. We'll get caught up on old times. And we'll watch the best fireworks show this side of Disneyland. Yes, well, you live in Whittier, Bruce. There's no fireworks here, right? Right. But we butt up to La Habra. And the neighbors the other side of the street from us, the other side of the fence, they know all about fireworks, man, the illegal kind. Boom, boom, boom. And it's amazing. We don't have to go anywhere on the 4th of July to see the best fireworks show in town. So they did. They came over. And around 4 o'clock, we hear the doorbell ring. And we opened it up, and we said, George, Pam, come on in. And we hugged, and we welcomed them in. We haven't seen you in such a long time. The Word of God says that's the feeling you should have when you open this book. I'm open to whatever you have to say, God. It's teach me. I welcome you into my life. No matter what you have to say, that is the idea. Now, how many of you are finicky eaters when it just comes to food in life? Don't raise your hand, but I know some of us are. But how many of you are finicky eaters when it comes to the Word of God? Anybody ever eat at Furs Cafeteria? We don't have them here anymore, but a few, yeah, okay, some of you. Texas, my first one. Love that place. What I love about it, all the varieties. And I can go down that thing cafeteria style. Ooh, love that. Mmm, that's good. Ooh, boiled okra. Don't like that. You know, don't like that. Ooh, but I like this, this. And I can put on my plate exactly what I like. Well, that may be okay when you go to first cafeteria, but when you open the cafeteria of the Word of God, don't do that. 
Ooh, I like this page. Ooh, it talks about God's grace. It talks about God's love for me. Oh, there's, oh, look at that verse, man. There's a blessing. Ooh, heaven. Ooh, let's talk about that. Oh, I've got to do something. Oh, man, that one. Oh, next page, next page. Oh, no, 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 I don't like that. Anything we don't like doing or we disagree with. See, you can't go through the Bible cafeteria style. James says, when it comes to opening the Word of God, welcome it, receive it, and eat what you're served, no matter what it is. Whether you agree with it or disagree with it. Eat what you're served. Get it? Good. This is tough stuff, isn't it? But James is just straightforward. I'm telling you what he's telling us. I'm just repeating James. All right? There's a third thing we've got to do. I must be responsive to the truth. Not only prepared to receive it, not only, you know, be receptive to it, but then I must be responsive to it. I've got to do something about it is basically what he's saying here in 22 to 27. He's going to give us a command, and then he's going to give us an illustration. Uh, Let's take a look at the command here. One more. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. What's the next word? Do. Do what it says. You can listen, or you can do. James says, listen and do. you got to put those two things together, because simply agreeing with Scripture is not the same as obeying it. Let me say that again. Simply agreeing. You believe this book, I believe it, every bit of it. Do you do it? Nope. See the difference? You can agree with it, but not do it. The Greek word for listen, it's the idea of someone who audits a course at a university. Uh, You may have audited courses. I was in a class that I I wasn't auditing. I was taken for credit, but I was in that same class where people were auditing the course. And and you know what? They, They may have listened just as carefully as I did. They may have taken copious notes. But when you audit a course, there are no assignments. When you audit a course, you don't have to take any of the tests. Actually, when you audit a course, there are absolutely no responsibilities. And James says, if all you're doing is auditing your faith, you are being self-deceived. Let that sink in. It's tough stuff. And then he illustrates it. He backs it up with a great illustration of a mirror. James describes two different types of people. The hearer and the doer. Verse 23. Anyone who listens to the word, but does not do what it says, is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, immediately, I mean, that doesn't take but a second, immediately goes away and forgets what he looks like. Can you imagine? Here you are, you 
nice mirror. You look in it, and look at that. I look so nice. Look at me there. And then you walk away, and you go, hmm, now what do I look like? Oh, yeah, yeah, there you are. What do I look like? Can you imagine? And God says, it's the same thing. When you read this book and you close it and don't do what it says, you're the same kind of a person. Fickled, unaware of what you even look like. James says, don't do that. The purpose of a mirror is to evaluate our lives and then access Assess the damage, and then do something about it. Here's what I know about every single one of you in here today, because you all look so nice. You got up this morning, you went into the bathroom, you looked in the mirror, and you assessed the damage that the night brought on. (laughs) And you went, oh. But then you did something about it, because look how nice and pretty you all look. Well, that's kind of what we're supposed to do with this mirror right here. We're supposed to read it and go, oh, oh, oh. There's some, there's some damage. Now let's get it, start getting it cleaned up. Let's start working on it. You see the analogy? Isn't that a good analogy that James gives us of the mirror? We, we look at God's Word because what good would it be if we don't do anything about what it reveals? It reveals what we look like spiritually. But then we're to do something about it, is what he's saying. A lot of people don't read the Bible because they're afraid of what it might say. Well, if I just don't know, I don't have to do, right? Kind of like the little one-frame cartoon picture. um, A preacher standing outside the doors as people are leaving, exiting the worship service for that morning. And he's shaking people out the door. You know how it is. See that picture in your mind? And there's a man shaking hands with the preacher. And he says, Preacher, today in your message from God's Word, you made me see myself the way that I really am for the very first time. And I will never forgive you for it. That's the way a lot of times people treat the Word of God. They don't want to see themselves the way that they really are. You know, we're all broken vessels. We're all saved by grace through faith. We're all a mess, but you know what I say? I want to be God's mess. And God help me clean this mess up. He's already saved you by His grace. You're into heaven. But if you want a religion that's worth something, help God with, no, let God help you with the sanctification process, which is always painful. Salvation is free. Discipleship is very, very costly. Is this making sense? You don't earn your salvation. Now, discipleship, if you want to walk with God, that's a little bit different story. There is no growth without it. Verse 25. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that brings freedom. That's the book. Where'd you get your freedom? You got it from reading this book. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing what? The book, the Word of God. When you believed it, you applied it to your life, you got saved. It's the perfect law that gives freedom. Freedom from sin. And continues to do this, not forgetting what he's heard, But doing it, he will be blessed in what? What's the next word? He does. 
it's, it's, it's doing. Not doing in order to be saved, but doing because you are. See the difference? And then he gives an, an application. An application. We'll wind it up with this. 26 to 27. He says, basically, real Christianity is um, three things. Real Christianity is a... Yeah, back, 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 back. It's a controlled tongue. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. He's not saying you are worthless and religion never saved anybody. But he's just saying religion just means way of life. You you claim to be a believer, okay, but if you don't control this thing... Well, it might as well be worthless. Not you, but your religion. Next, next thing he says. You've got to have a caring heart. A caring heart. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this. Now watch this. To look after orphans and widows in their distress. Do you care about orphans and widows? I do. Well, when was the last time you took care of one? I don't know. Well, let me let you in on a little something. If you are a regular contributor here at Cross Point Christian Church, you took care of widows yesterday and the day before that and the day before that. You're taking care of widows and orphans today and tomorrow and next week because I think it's around $1,500 a month of our budget goes to the care and feeding of orphans and widows in India. Not to mention we do something in Mexico and a few other places. we got some ongoing stuff. In addition to that $1,500 a month, we set aside $3,500, is that right? Um, If you look at the orphanage over there, it's always in need of something, right? We're upgrading the restrooms and the dormitories. Now, $3,500 over there goes a whole lot further than it does over here. And at some point, as we get completed, Joanne, that'd be great to show some slides and, you know, kind of bring the church up to date on what we are doing. You are contributing to pure religion, which is what? Two things. You take care of widows, you take care of orphans, and you stay polluted free from the world. I think that's the third thing he says, right? Have a, what's what's the third thing? A clean mind and keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Now that's what I'm talking about. Now notice, he didn't say stay out of the world. Paul even said, for must your needs you go into the world. I mean, if you've got to buy and shop and sell, I mean, you're going to be dealing with people in the world. But you don't have to be like it. Amen? You've got to go into the world to deal with it. I mean, just, you know, if you're going to you know, buy a car or buy a, you know, a banana, <laughs> the checkout person may not be a Christian. That's not what he's talking about. You must go into the world to take care of your needs. Just don't become like it is the idea. Live in it without being like it. Now, we'll close with this illustration. I played football in high school. Football teams have 11 men on the field at any given time. 11 on offense, 11 on defense. Each side carrying the load for their team. Now, on the sidelines, you have people eager. I've noticed this. Eager to get in the end. Some of them are actually warming up. You know, the kickers may be warming up. The back quarterbacks throwing passes. He's getting ready most of which are standing. 
But then if you look at the bench, you'll see a few bench warmers. These guys really don't care about being in the team. You know, dad made them play or whatever. They're They're just on the bench. They're not excited about contributing. Most of the team is excited. Most of the team is eager to get into the game, to contribute to the success of the team. And that's the way the church should be. That's the way each of us should be. What can I do for Jesus today? What can I do with this thing called Crosspoint to fulfill the great commission of God? James says, don't be content to sit on the sidelines. There's much to be done. Let's be doers of the word and not hearers only. Can I get an amen? All right, let's ask God to help us because none of this is possible without the strength of God. Heavenly Father, we come to you today uh, humbled by your word, but you told us to humbly accept it. Father, uh, you have not beat around the bush in the message this morning. Through James, you told us to be doers of the word, to practice, in many cases, what we already know. But help us to be welcoming of new truths and put them into practice as well. Lord, help us not to glance at the mirror of your word and then walk away unchanged today. Your word is true. We've seen areas in our lives that we need to work on. Give us the strength and give us the courage. In Jesus' name, amen.